Good evening, everyone. It's good to see you all here tonight. Uh, if you will, grab the Bible in front of you tonight. Uh, you, you don't have to if you don't want to, but I'm going to grab one because I want you to be able to jump back and forth to some of the text here and kind of stay uh, with the text. And if you, if you want to read a little bit around some of the texts that I'm reading tonight, um, I just want to encourage you to do that. I know a lot of times we can get dependent on the screens up there behind us or maybe with our phones, and sometimes for me, just having a book in my hand is so much better uh, than all of the technology always at my fingertips here. The text tonight is from Revelation 22, uh, but I will be referencing some other texts, and you're welcome to jump to those as well. Uh, Starting in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, the Bibles in your uh, pew there are NIV, and the, the text up here is NIV as well. Starting in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more light. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. Sorry, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. I'm not sure if you are someone who loves trees, um, but trees have taken on more and more significance in my life. In fact, in our front yard, we had this big a pine tree or evergreen tree. And at one point, I was ready to cut it down. It's this big tree. I never was a big fan of pine trees or evergreen trees. Uh, I'm from Tennessee, and they're kind of everywhere. And I, I just, they never stuck out as being very significant to me. But my wife had another idea. And she said, honey, what if you built a tree house in that tree for our kids? And I was like, how am I going to build a tree house in that tree when the tree goes like this everywhere there's no like main main like trunk to the tree its branches are spread out everywhere well in a vision in a dream (laughs) the lord gave me i designed uh, a tree house for that tree and i had to remove a palmetto tree in the bottom of it which got planted out by the road but once i removed that then i could see it i could see the tree house And once I put the tree house in the tree, I also got a free slide off of OfferUp, a 12-foot long green slide. Some of you have seen it. Some of you have been down the slide before. And uh, when we put that tree house up there, we put the slide there, all of a sudden our front yard became this incredible place to play. The only problem was that our car, our van, was parked right in the middle of our front yard. Because we have a U driveway that goes like this. 
And because of all of my involvement in kind of environmental conversations and walkability and the ideas about trees in our city, it made me begin to think. I have all this land in front of my house and it is being secured for a car. My yard has been, my front yard has been designed for a car. My whole front yard. The back, we can play, we can run around on the side yard, we can run, but the front yard is occupied by this car. And it's not a sexy car. It's like a 2008 Honda Odyssey. It's got 164,000 miles on it. Sometimes the electrical side doors don't work. The little uh, you know, lights on the dash have been on since I bought it. I don't even know what they all mean. But the point is that my front yard was being held hostage by a car. And we needed to liberate that front yard. Do you know what led to me liberating that front yard? It was that pine tree. It was the tree house. Because now my kids were playing in the front yard. So we ripped up the driveway. We drove out to Loxahatchee, grabbed some sod, and put it in our front yard. And now our front yard is like, or our yard is like twice the size. But the center point, whether you're in the front yard or in the side yard, in some ways, even in the backyard, it all leads back to the treehouse. The treehouse was the place, after, especially after I built it, that we all hung out. People put hammocks up there. People would take their food up there and have dinner. For, for mornings, I would go up there and just sit in this chair with the shade and the breeze. It was life in the trees. It was my dream since I saw Swiss Family Robinson to live in the trees, right? There's even a treehouse <coughs> Airbnb down in Miami. Has anybody been there? Anybody stayed there? For those of you who want to get away. But I've always had this dream since I saw that movie and then the Star Wars you know, like remember when they went to the land of the Ewoks? I don't know what the right name is of that, but there was something about when they went to the land of the Ewoks and it was, I think they, they filmed it in like the Red Forest, like, you know, in California, the Redwood Forest, like the trees are just magnificent and the people are living, these Ewoks, not really people, but they're living in the trees. I was like, man, I want to live in the trees. I want to be in the trees, live in the trees. And trees are important to us. You know, even in our uh, church, our little community here, our church is named after a ship called Providencia that crashed out in front of uh, what's now Mar-a-Lago. And it had 20,000 coconuts in the bottom of it. And those coconuts would become the, most, the, the first sustainable product, agricultural product of Palm Beach County. That's why Palm Beach is called Palm Beach, because those coconuts got planted on the island. That's why we're weirdly called West Palm Beach, right? We should be called Palm Beach. They should be called East Palm Beach, right? But, but it, we have an agricultural story that's so central even to our church here. And it's huge in culture as well. If you've been to the Norton there's a banyan tree, 85 to 100-year-old banyan tree in front of the Norton. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars 
to build that building, to redo it around that banyan tree. And they talk about it as if it were a piece of art. Man, that our church would understand what the Norton understands. That we would be a people connected to the tree. That we would understand the majesty and the beauty, the significance of the tree. Other than God and people, the Bible mentions trees more than any other living thing. There's a tree on the first page of Genesis and the first Psalm, on the first page of the New Testament, and on the last page of Revelation, which I just read for you. Every significant theological event in Bible is marked by a tree, whether it is the fall, the flood, or the overthrow of Pharaoh. Every major event in the Bible has a tree, branch, fruit, seed, or some part of a tree marking the spot. Moreover, every major character in the Bible appears in conjunction with a tree. In the Old Testament, Noah received the olive leaf. Abraham sat under the oaks. And Moses stood barefoot in front of the burning bush. The same pattern holds true in the New Testament. Think of Zacchaeus climbing the sycamore fig. The blind man seeing people as if they were trees walking. And the disciples gathering on the Mount of Olives. Jesus himself declared that the kingdom of heaven is like a tree. The only thing that Jesus ever harmed was a tree. And the only thing that could harm him was a tree. After Jesus was resurrected, he was mistaken for a gardener. This was not a mistake. And this is all from a book called A Reforestation Faith by a guy who used to be a doctor. But he basically began instead, after he left his profession, to plant trees. It became his sole passion in life, to plant trees to save the world. I know it sounds cliche. We're talking about tree hugging in here tonight, y'all. I hope you're ready. Throw the razors out, guys. It's time to hug a tree. And it's part, it's so significant in Scripture. It's so significant. C.S. Lewis picked up on it. After the coronation of the king and the queen of Narnia, the silver apple tree shoots up from the soil. Its spreading branches seem to cast a light rather than shade. And the silver apples peeped out like stars from under every leaf. But it was the smell which came from it. Even more than the sight that had made everyone draw in their breath. The smell of the tree breaks one's heart. In a passage that alludes to the apple tree in the Song of Solomon, Aslan tells Diggory, who is the type of a soul in a pilgrimage, for this fruit you have hungered and thirst and wept. For the fruit of the tree we have hungered and thirst and wept. There's three points tonight to this sermon where we're going. Number one, the potentials of the tree, the trees in the garden. Number two, the curse of the tree, which we call the cross. And number three, the healing of the trees of the city. The potentials in the tree of the garden, verses one and two, we see in Genesis all the way back, if you want to flip with, there with me, to Genesis one and two, 
Just hold on uh, verse 29 in, uh, in, in Genesis chapter uh, 1. But reading again from Revelation, where it says in verse 1 and 2, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb of God down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, the tree of life, right there in the middle. And it takes us back from Revelation 22 all the way back to Genesis 1, 29. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And in fact, if you're a vegetarian, you're going to love this. It says in the Greek, or I mean, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, they will be your meat. Your meat. That the, the, the trees will provide meat. Because in that original text there, it's talking about nourishment. It's not talking about beef, but it's talking about meat being from the vegetables, from the trees. And that's one of the things that we see in Genesis when God creates the trees, that he wants us to care for them and love them. And in fact, they are going to care and love for us. They're going to provide for us. They are going to be our providencia. They're going to be provision for us. They're going to nourish our bodies and our souls. And then we, we move over in Genesis to verses 2, 8 through 9. We're going to have two trees introduced to us here. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life, were the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So he's, he's talking about the trees that are going to provide food for us. That when we think about the Garden of Eden, it's like a banqueting table, guys. It's just food everywhere. For us, you're out on a walk with your friends, you just pull the food down, and you start eating. Fresh fruit everywhere. But then there's this other tree at the center of the garden called the tree of life. Now I want to say some things to you about the tree of life that you may or may not have heard growing up if you, if you were in the church or maybe you were in the synagogue, uh, uh, maybe even if, if you were, came from a Muslim background. But just in general, if you, if you grew up in a culture that, that honored trees, but specifically in the Hebrew text, the tree of life is used to refer to anything that heals, enhances, and celebrates life. If you don't believe me, read the book of Proverbs. The tree of life is something that brings healing. It enhances life. And this tree is what enables us to have continual healing and live forever without aging like the fountain of youth. When God breathed life into us in the garden, when he breathed life into Adam and Eve, he gave them life and he brought them alive. Now, this is something you may not have heard, though. To stay alive and to keep from aging and to keep on living, guess what he gave them? The tree of life. Full of more potency, of more life than the breath that he had breathed into Adam and Eve. What a tree. What a tree. 
this tree had eternal life. The tree was the gift that kept giving us eternal life. And it was called the tree of life. And it's there in Revelation again. In the middle of the city, this tree of life, it's the supreme image of future splendor and paradise regained. This tree. Do you have a favorite tree here in West Palm Beach? I have a favorite tree. It's close to my house. When you walk up to it, you feel as if you're in a cathedral. It's a beautiful tree. Maybe you know about what they call, I guess, Big Tree over on Palm Beach by the Flagler Museum there. Or maybe you have another tree growing in your yard. But I want to know what your favorite tree is. And if you don't have a favorite tree, I want you to find a favorite tree. And I'm giving you a homework assignment for this week. All right? Here's your homework assignment. If you would please consider planning a date, planning a get-together, planning some type of activity. Maybe it's a workout. Maybe it's prayer under your favorite tree here in West Palm Beach this week. Can we do that? Can we promise to do that? Everybody promise that they'll, they'll find their favorite tree. Maybe it's on your back porch. You know, you have a little plant growing back there and you're just going to sit next to it. That's fine. But there might be a tree here in the city that you can do a little get together with your friends this week. Maybe it's in your neighborhood like me. But this week, I want you to find a tree if you don't have one already and go and spend some time. Go and spend some time in the shade of that tree. So there's this other tree in there called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it was a good tree. It had unlimited knowledge. Unlimited knowledge. Telling us what was good and what was evil in the ethical sense. But it also teaches us what is good in in the sense that Good being those things that enhance life and evil being those things that destroy life. This tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, becomes the tree that causes us problems. And as probably my favorite scholar on the book of Genesis, Dr. Bruce Walkie, says, that when we look at these two trees, what we see is that man, instead of choosing life, tree of life, chose the tree of power. And I think Nietzsche said something similar. But think about the significance of that. And what came to choosing between life and power, that we wanted the power. And where, where did that lead us? Where did it lead us? They say you know a tree by its fruit. Hear these lyrics. Southern trees bear a strange fruit. Blood on the leaves. Blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Pastoral scene of the gallant south. 
the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth. The scent of magnolia, sweet and fresh, then the sudden smell of burning flesh. The song is called Strange Fruit. It was first sang and recorded by Billie Holiday in 1939. A reminder to us of the thousands that were lynched, especially in the southern part of our nation, the nation that also claims the title of the Bible Belt. How could we be so blind? See, there's the curse of the tree. There's the curse of the tree in verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The tree's going to be in the middle of the garden. This new tree, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be there in the city by that tree. See, in the book of Deuteronomy, hanging was the punishment for the most severe sins. And in, in, in Galatians 3.13, Paul says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he's referring back to Deuteronomy. Someone had committed a heinous crime, a heinous murder, and their punishment would be to hang on a tree. And Paul is letting us know that Jesus suffered that same kind of death. That Jesus hung on a tree. See, in my uh, white, excuse me, white evangelical Christian uh, world view, I have spent a lot of time thinking about the cross, talking about the cross. But the cross, in my mind, in many ways, wasn't a tree anymore. And I was bringing that to the attention of our staff. And Drew Melton stopped me and he said, Keith, but not for the African-American community. They always knew that the tree, that the cross was a tree because it connected to the suffering that they were experiencing here in this country. That when they went to church and they worshiped their Savior who was hanging on a tree, that they had solidarity with someone in their suffering because they knew innocent people too who had died on a tree. They knew marginalized people, poor people who had died on a tree. And the Savior that they saw in Scripture understood what that was like. There was solidarity that Jesus had with the suffering of those who had died on a tree. See, in this country, what drove so much of the lynchings, what drove so much of the slave trade in this country was greed was greed, the using of the resources of this world for me, for my benefit, and my benefit alone. The blindness and the lostness, the reaching for power. And those trees stand today in this country not to tell us that those who died on them were cursed, but that those who put them there did not understand the implications of the gospel. They did not understand that their Savior had died on a tree. 
There was a massive blind spot in the Bible Belt. Massive. So when we look at the tree, we don't just see that there's a tree of life, but we also are reminded of the incredible brokenness that's here in this world. Of what man can use a tree for. How we can abuse the creation that God has given to us. But there is hope. There is hope. There are 27 food deserts in this county alone, in Palm Beach County. And this past weekend, the city of West Palm Beach planted a food forest called the Henrietta Bridge Farm in one of the Northwest Corridor communities here. Community Greening was there as well. But they planted with volunteers from our city a food forest, meaning every single tree that was planted in this plot of land provides fruit for the neighbors who live there. Many of them in that neighborhood living in poverty. But now they're going to have a living grocery store in their backyard. that every one of the 27 food deserts in this county would get a food forest. See, there is a promise that comes to us at the end of our text, at the end of our scripture, the scripture I read tonight, the healing tree or the healing trees of the city. In verse 2, it says, And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And then in verse 4 and 5 They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. See, in the center of the garden, in the center of this city that's coming will be the tree of life and the leaves will bring healing for the nations. Healing for the nations. What could nations possibly need healing from? What could they possibly need healing from? I read it earlier, but after Jesus' crucifixion and he is buried in the tomb and he experiences the resurrection and he comes back to life and he's seen in the garden, he's mistaken as a gardener. And I will tell you that Jesus was born again, that Jesus came to life again to teach us how to garden again, to teach us how to plant trees like he planted for the healing of the nations. See, Jesus was put on a cross by an empire called the Roman Empire, and the way they kept peace in the world, the way they kept peace in the world was by putting people on dead trees hanging them there for the world to see. If you mess with us, this is what will happen to you. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a tree, like an oak of righteousness that is going to be planted. It's going to be healing for the nations. It's going to be healing for the poor. See, we are a community called up to be trees, called up to be gardeners, called up to plant plants and trees here in our city for the sake of the poor. 
so that they might have shade in the day when they cannot find air conditioning, so that they might have food in the day when they cannot find a meal. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just about the fact that we were forgiven for our sins, which it is. Jesus, when he died on the cross, took the curse of death upon us so that we could be free. But free to do what? To be a blessing. Not just in some spiritual, like esoteric sense, but in a real sense. To love our neighbors. We need more trees in this city. The tree canopy is only like 30% of the city. The city is too hot. The city doesn't have enough natural drainage. The city doesn't have enough pure air. So we have some trees out there for you tonight that you can take with you. And you can plant them in your yard if you live here in the city of West Palm Beach. If you don't own your property where you are, you can take it home anyway. Put it in a pot. Ask the owner of your property if they care if you plant it on the property. And if they don't, just bring it back or do it anyway. So <laughs> if you don't live in the city of West Palm Beach, I'll take one of the trees, plant it in my yard. You can have one of my trees and plant it in your yard. We want to bring, not just in some, again, spiritual sense, the realities of the gospel, but a real sense. Our city, who in some ways the church could criticize and say, oh, the city, the city is, is a secular entity. And the city cares more about the environment than the church in this city. Not all of you. I'm grateful for those of you who are leading us deeper into this conversation, deeper into this reality. I'm thankful for Michael Connor, and he organized the tree giveaway uh, this past week. He's organized here tonight. And for the conversations we've been having about the harm that the meat industry has on the environment here in our country, in the world. There in the garden, the tree of life, and in the shade of that tree that we come face to face with God himself, the intimacy the level of intimacy that we see God face to face, that his name is on our foreheads, the level of belonging, that we belong to the healing one, the one who gave us the tree of life. Basically, we are moving to Avatar, you guys. No, Avatar is coming here. Avatar is coming here on earth. It sounds kind of funny, it sounds kind of weird, it's kind of crazy, you know, when you think back on the history of this country, that they, that they used to uh, hang women, calling them witches, because they were worshiping, apparently, the environment. The strong reaction to that. And yet the church, instead of worshiping the environment, has just used and abused it here in this country. We jumped right in with the rest of our culture. And it takes a lot to unravel it. 
my God, it feels in some ways insurmountable for me. At 43 years old, I'm so embedded in the culture to start thinking about these things, the impact of my eating, the impact of my driving, the impact of my lack of appreciation for the creation that God has surrounded me with. But I'm thankful that I don't have to do this alone. Healing is impossible in loneliness. It is the opposite of loneliness. Convitality, friendliness is healing. To be healed, we must come with all the other creatures to the feast of creation. That's Wendell Berry in the body and the earth. That Wendell is saying that this country in particular needs healing from our isolation. We need healing from our lack of connection to creation. That we have to come back together with each other and we have to come back together with creation. And my prayer for us as we come back to the table tonight. In the book of Genesis, we were kicked out of the garden. We were kicked out of the tree of life in its presence to be around it. But through Christ, through his life, he has given us access again to the tree of life. And this table is a counterpart to that tree. He invites us to come and eat the bread and the wine. That at this table, we get a taste of the banquet that we are going to eat forever. Let us pray.